Welcome to the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast, a show dedicated to modern learning and development with your hosts, Daniel Mendonca and Scott Babcock. It's podcast day. Welcome to the show. This is If You Build It, Will They Learn. I'm Scott Babcock and I'm here with your co-host, Daniel Mendonca. Daniel, how are you this week? I'm doing well. You know, I know this comes out on Thursday and people listen to it whenever they please kind of during the week, but uh, I would... I would be upset with myself if I didn't say it's hump day. We are actually recording hump on day. Wednesday, putting some some pressure on on the producer to uh, make sure this is edited and ready to go at midnight tonight. So, uh, Sabrina, good luck. You're on. I have often said that uh, in the world of writing creatively, I, the smartest writers in the world are advertisers and that particular uh, progressive or Geico or whatever commercial it was, it was for insurance. Uh, that much I remember with was just pure gold and, and definitely stuck with me. So obviously don't remember it. It may not have been really good for making sure I remembered the brand, but I do remember the ad. It, uh, it definitely, definitely had some sticking power that, that, that camel still, uh, still makes its debut. Um, you know, Mike, 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 Mike. Yeah. yeah great. Just good stuff. All right. Uh, not what we're here to talk about today, but we do have a uh, jam-packed show for our 32nd episode. We are just cruising right along. Um, we want to start with our question, though, for today. So Sabrina has gone to the vault of all of our question options and presented us with what is the biggest factor that motivates us when it comes to learning uh, in the workplace or in general? Yeah, I think I think in general for me, um, I, I'm a I'm a person when we talk about fixed and growth mindset or you know mastery versus movement. I'm somebody who I live in kind of both areas, but I I always like to be progressing forward. So even if it's an article about a sport that I'm watching or a show that I'm into or anything really, I'm always trying to just gain a little bit more knowledge about the things that I'm interested in and the things that I love. So. In this case, it could be learning and development. That could be work. Um, it could be soccer for me and coaching, um, or it could just be the Mandalorian, which we've talked about before, and or the Marvel universe and 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 learning more information and learning some tidbits and the way everything functions. For me, I think having a background in education, I've just always kind of lived my life by a little bit of a mantra: just learn something new every day. Um, and so, with that, typically, I think in the same vein of Daniel's, it's whatever gives me some kind of joy or I find passion in. And, and if I'm thinking more from the workplace environment, I've been really lucky to do mostly jobs that I have really, really enjoyed doing. Um, there are things I have passions around, whether it was, I go back to my first internship where I was teaching kids how to fish and hike and do nature cooking and uh, outdoor cooking on fires and stuff for uh, game fishing parks uh, in South Dakota to now being able to do learning software and strategy and, and, be involved in that world. So I spend a lot of my time reading articles on what's coming, what's trending, attending conferences. Like for me, that that drives my learning is just one, learn something new every day, even if it's a goofy, off the wall, useless information, that's fine too. Uh, but uh, otherwise, just find things that you have a passion for uh, and go after them. Yeah, I think we kind of kind of fall into the same category, just, just interested and in love with continuous improvement. I think that's, that's good. I think that's fantastic. 
So our topic for today is right in line with that. We want to talk about what motivates learners, what drives a learner to go out and consume training, content, information, uh, and it varies from user to user. So we want to talk through some of the ways that people uh, find the energy to go get the, the information or the training they need. And that can be, again, a lot of this is going to apply to life in general, but we will focus primarily on the workplace uh, for the most part, because um, typically I believe that is why you're here listening to the podcast is to find out how to be more efficient with your time on that front. So without further ado, let's dive right in. We looked up a few ways that we wanted to bring this to light on the in, in terms of topics, and we, we we found a lot of ways we think you could find similar philosophies that are out there. Um, one of those is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, we're going to reference that loosely um, in the learning space uh, around a few things that we think are um, equivocal to the way we talk about learning and development and motivation uh, in the workplace. And so if you, if you hear some of that, know that that's another area where we drew from uh, some of our information. Uh, but the first one we want to talk about is sort of your 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 physiological needs, your physical needs uh, that support you as a person. Um, and when we talk about that in the workplace, we're usually talking about financial gain. Uh, you are doing training, getting education, finding content that helps you perform better in hopes of, again, we've talked about movement and mastery. Is it becoming an expert in what it is you do, which will thus give you more credibility uh, in the job market? Is it looking for promotion, uh, which is another way that you might excel and gain growth in the workplace? Um, or is it that you're gaining certifications, which again, give you that that uh, industry level of expertise or, or mastery, uh, which gets you recognized again for more advancement within the workplace. So uh, when we talk about it, typically we're going to talk about uh, those kind of eligibility components uh, for what drives someone to learn. I think, I think when you talk about physiological, I start to think about like the traditional education system a lot. So it, even if I use like, and I'm, I don't understand the, the education system a ton uh, in the United States, but in Canada, you know, you go in, you get your undergrad degree, you go to teacher's college. <coughs> so then you can um, become a teacher, whether it's in primary or, or secondary or whatever that may be. But then a lot of teachers then go get masters and, and take additional courses because it, it ups their pay grade. It allows them to teach different things, uh, interact with students in different ways, um, be allowed to, to teach different subjects, etc. So it allows them to to do more, make more money and be at a higher pay grade. So I think that's one way, you know, in the traditional education system. But on the other side of things, I think um, if you look at the workplace and making more money, I think when, when teams are constructed and, and, and you have individuals who, who maybe, let's say, are project managers or product owners or just business analysts, like there's opportunity based on education and experience to become a team lead and, and, um, or, or get promoted, but even in your own role. So, you know, keeping your eye open of different trainings, whether they're free seminars or webinars would allow you to kind of progress and, and earn more or, um, and just be overall, um, economically more stable in your role or, or in the growth that you progressing. So I think there's, there's two sides of it, but, um, I think this is definitely a key motivator for a lot of people. Um, Obviously, money is a, is a main motivator for a lot of people, not all people. Um, but but so when it comes to to learning, um, any way people can make more money, that's going to encourage them when we when we talk about the concept of what's in it for me. And if we 
deconstruct that down just a little bit further, I think, we can also talk to why is the money important, right? So money obviously allows us to have a certain level of comfort in our lives. Um, but if you think about why we all have a job, uh, it's to pay the bills, which allows us to have a home, which is shelter, which is safety and security. Uh, it helps put food on the table, right? We all need to eat and, and feel nourished in that way. So money in and of itself is probably the thing that we're, we're most focused on as sort of the base level. But what that ultimately allows you to do is provide for yourself, for your family, to be able to afford the car you drive or the food you eat or the home you live in, uh, to put clothes on your back, kind of that kind of stuff. Uh, and so when we really break that down a, a level further, that's really the goal here too. This is a livelihood component to your motivation uh, that is, is, you know, money is what ultimately makes some of that possible. So think about it in that sense too, like someone's ability to get the job they want or to be able to perform well in the job they want allows them to live the lifestyle they either prefer or to even in some cases just be able to um, support themselves, uh, again, really physiologically with with those shelter and, and food components as well. So it can go a little deeper. That gets a bit uh, maybe in the weeds for the conversation, but it is ultimately the root cause. Our next one we want to talk about is really similar to what Daniel and I both described in terms of what motivates us. And we want to talk about what it means for you personally. Uh, and for a lot of folks, this is, I think when we talk more adult learners, this is going to become more of a factor. Uh, I think if you asked your average first and third grader, which I have running around in my house these days, uh, why they would train for personal reasons. They'd be like, I go to school because I'm told to go to school. Uh, they don't have that personal drive yet. But when we talk about adult learners, I think this starts to become more uh, uh, applicable to them as they start to get more interests and more passions. And they really understand uh, the long-term gain for them. So let's talk a little bit about personal growth uh, and why you might want, what might motivate you personally. And really it's wanting to do something that gives you satisfaction, right? So personally on a personal on a personal level, being able to really uh, address uh, something you're passionate about or that you have an interest about or something you know you want to be able to talk more eloquently about with peers or uh, get involved in networking and community, um, but really wanting to just do something that makes you feel more satisfied in your in your day-to-day -day life. I think, you know, I this is probably the single thing that is, it's really random. It has nothing to do with my work day or anything that I'm, I'm super passionate and progressing or growing about. Um, but in the, in the more recent years, um, we all know that I'm a soccer fan, but I've, I've really started to watch basketball as, as a form of entertainment. I've really just enjoyed it. Obviously with the Raptors winning the championship, that was a big part of me getting even deeper involved. But someone asked me like, Hey, you know, you're pretty knowledgeable on stats and, and this thing. And then I said, why, why, why do you know so much? And I said, I said, I just know enough and I continue to stay on top of it so I can debate with my coworkers. And I, and that's, that's probably <clears throat> a big, a big part of it. And, and I think just overall for just personal enjoyment, I love, I love to know so I can have conversations. Um, I personally stay up on, on all things sports and entertainment because I'm constantly interacting with people um, in my day-to-day -day job, uh, whether it's my coworkers or it's clients and, being able to interact about all sorts of different interests and things are a big part of, of my ability to build a relationship. So from a personal growth perspective and just entertainment or um, just feeling comfortable in a conversation, 
um, that's really important to, to my personal development. So very unique in, in that sense, but I think just overall, I, I just like to, to be able to have conversations with individuals um, on, on different topics that, that interest me or interest um, the people that I'm speaking to. And I'm sure Sabrina could easily uh, confirm that this is part of the way we start every one of our episodes is Dan and I just going on a random rant about something. And it, it varies from show to show. And she's always like, why do you guys know this stuff? And the reality is just, I don't know why we know it, but it's something we've gotten on a rabbit hole of looking up an article or reading a sports line or checking the box scores or whatever it is that allows us to just have that information. And I do think that's part of it. Uh, Daniel brings up a good point. When you talk about the personal level, uh, it it reflects on his job and mine as well, where we're, we're talking to people around the office, but we're also talking to clients. And we talk to a lot of folks from varied backgrounds and uh, with clearly different interests and things like that, that we always want to be able to just have a natural dialogue with them. Um, but that's a part of why people do get training as well for themselves. We talked about like promotion and the ability to expand and grow in, in, in your field or your job. Um, but sometimes it's just a personal confidence level, wanting to feel more comfortable in your job. Um, it may not result in more money or a promotion long term. It might, but in the short term, it, it might just be, I want to feel confident when I go to work every day, whether it's having that dialogue with, uh, you know, a, a technician or a software engineer who speaks a different language in many cases for me. Uh, so I'll, I'll dig into just a few little tidbits so that I understand the acronym they're constantly using. Um, a real life scenario from yesterday was me asking what they mean when they say certain stuff. Um, and, and just getting a better sense of that. Sometimes that's, you just do it for a personal reason. That is, I want to be more confident in my role. Uh, and I think that works well too. Yeah, I think confidence is a, is a funny thing. And Scott, you brought that up. We actually had a few requests um, from our team, like the team that I work with, uh, primarily in client services, um, looking to take, you know, some small courses or different things on software development so they can feel more comfortable um, when they're hearing our, our developers speak about things. And it's great to see, obviously, our team members want to just do that for their confidence level. It's got nothing to do with with, you know, <clears throat> them being eligible for new roles or pay raises or anything like that. It's just about confidence and being able to, to be involved more in the conversation. And I think for a personal growth perspective, that's, that is a huge part of just being more confident in that conversation and, and being able to speak to, to certain things that you're involved with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. It builds that relationship with your peers, which just always makes the work-life balance easier uh, when you're talking with folks and especially when you're collaborating a lot. Uh, it's so much easier to have a productive dialogue when you're not asking for definitions all the time. So I, I love that uh, just from a personal ability to, to be a, a more productive part of the workplace on a personal level. Our last segment was really finished on a great segue into our third topic, which is uh, the ability to be more social um, and be part of a community. And when you think about your personal comfort in joining that community, uh, that's sort of how we finished that last segment. But um, wanting to contribute more into the conversation uh, on, a, on a larger scale, whether that be uh, your community at home, whether it be the different teams you work on in the workplace, wanting to be able to contribute in a way that adds value to their workday, uh, which partially makes you feel better, but ultimately makes that relationship stronger. It makes them feel better about the where things are headed. Um, but that can be a huge motivating factor for people is how do I interact with others and provide value back to them in their daily work or their daily activities uh, so that they 
can kind of almost in turn feel more motivated to also return that uh, favor, if you will, uh, by learning more about what we do. From a social perspective, there is there's a story, and I'm not sure if this is personal or social or it blends together, but it just it just popped in my head. So when I back when I was coaching youth sports, and Scott, you do this with basketball, and you're involved in baseball and that. I'm obviously at the university level, so I don't talk to parents at all anymore, um, except in the recruiting process. But a parent called me up. I had a U15 player, and a parent called me up and said, hey, do you mind having coffee with me? I, I've, it's really hit me, and obviously I played soccer and I was younger and whatever, but it really hit me that my daughter knows more about the game than I do. And it's, it's, it's bothering me because I feel like I can't, I can't connect with her because she's talking above my head a lot of times. And number one, it takes a lot for a parent to reach out and say that um, because most parents just pretend they know more than their kid regardless of if it's true or not. But I had a great like hour long coffee when we were allowed to actually go out places and share things um, and not have a mask on. That was fun. <laughs> but it was it was a great conversation because they literally genuinely wanted to learn and they were asking questions about formations and shapes and tactics and why you why as a coach I asked her to do certain things and it was great to hear that and it was it was a genuine um desire for this father to want to bond and be be closer to his daughter on a on a social level in in her interests which I thought was fantastic and I think it relates a lot to overall all just is the I know one of our notes here is just like being able to connect and make friends. I think, I think that's a huge part of it is, is my wife and I don't have all the same interests, but I try to at least understand um, her interests and and she tries to understand soccer and that's definitely not her favorite thing. And, um, but, but it's, it's just that connection. And I think that's a big part of, of why we learn um, so we can connect on, on different levels. And I think that's, that's one of my favorite parts about being able to, to take on new information. Especially at the youth level. And we, we say this a lot and look, it's part of why I think most kids when they're four five, six, whatever years old, they play something, right? They go out and they at least try something. And of course we do it because we want to see if there's an interest there for, for our kids. Is it something they'll enjoy doing? Is it, is that, but we also, as parents typically go, it's a great way for them to learn social interactions. It's a great way for them to learn how to play as a team. It's a great way for them to learn about sportsmanship and competitive drive and fair play and all of these um, elements as a child, these are great things. And they don't go away just because you're an adult. Um, You hopefully have learned fair play and some teamwork and stuff by the time you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s. But um, these are great ways for you to go network. They're a great way for you to go meet new people. And when we talk about uh, where we are today in a pandemic, I think this is a good note that we have down here as well is so much of what we've done has gone virtual. It has gone to a place where everything is in front of a computer screen and it's uh, it lacks some of the human interaction that we, we, we desire as people, especially in a learning environment. And so I think even whenever we hopefully come out of this uh, and we're able to do more of a blended approach, we're going to learn that a lot of stuff works really well in this virtual space. Digital is going to gain in its traction, but there's still going to be a great, environment for face-to-face training and it's not dead it's it didn't die with this it's, it's not going away there's going to be opportunities to get back in a classroom meet people who have a similar interest or learning about the same things build cohorts and community involvement and that training will help facilitate that you you grow a bond because you've all learned about a similar topic and you now have a reference point to talk with each other about so i, I like that face-to-face isn't going away and i think 
this is it can be a huge motivating factor for why people go to training is to meet new people as well. All right. Uh, the reality is there are people out there who are motivated solely because uh, it's part of their job. Um, and that's okay too. Uh, if you are, and I know a few of these folks, I'm not great at it, but it is a great feeling of accomplishment to check the box on a, on a to-do list, right? And start to whittle that list down and get, and, and reduce it. Um, that can be a motivating factor. Do you have uh, compliance stuff that just has to get done? That feeling of accomplishment can be a part of it. Uh, you see it in other areas of your life. If you're anything like me, I have what I like to call outlook anxiety. Uh, if my inbox starts to get way too full, uh, there is a deep amount of relief for me by making sure I read them, respond, and I start to whittle that inbox down to a number I feel good. I get heart palpitations whenever I look at my wife's inbox and it has, I don't know, 3,700 unread emails in it. She gets a lot of reports and stuff that I know she doesn't read. And I'm like, just delete them, get them out of there. And she's like, ah, they're fine. Um, it, it, it actually gives me anxiety when I look at that. Uh, I like to keep mine so I can see it all on one screen and I pack rat stuff away. But the same thing can be true of your learning path. Uh, you, you want to get your to-do list, your compliance list down, the things that you have to do. Uh, that can provide some folks a list of, or a, a motivating factor for why they go get some training uh, is to make sure that they're able to complete that and, and reduce that list. Um, that is the reality of also some of our job on the job training is it is required. Um, and some folks just want to know that there's a guiding factor to what they have to do and not have to go search. Uh, they want to be told this is what's next. Um, and so that can be motivating factor, I think for some people. Yeah. That to-do list is a, is an interesting thing. And and I, Scott, I'm, and like you, um, although recently, and I know you and I've talked about this I'm not doing so hot on the inbox zero, but I, that, that is a goal of mine week to week. Inbox zero is definitely a focus of mine. Um, I actually once took a course on like managing your outlook, like like about how to properly handle tasks so you don't feel overwhelmed. But that's a whole other you know conversation for another day. I think that that the concept of carrot or stick or required versus voluntary training um, or external motivation can vary in a lot of different ways. I think I think motivation can come in a, from a lot of different areas, either a supervisor, a boss telling you you must do something. Um, but also, I think that we talk a lot about gamification and incentivization of, of ways you can externally motivate people with um, rewards or competition, which I think are all part of um, external forces. Um, the one thing that we... I go through a lot in coaching because um, this occurs when I, I'm trying to get players to, to learn and compete and interact with each other. But I think it's the same in the workplace is a lot. Sometimes I won't say a lot because I think the, the culture is changing overall of learning. We get in the conversation around, you must do this or else you must, you must do this or you can't <coughs> come to work or you must do this or you can't be eligible for this or you must do this or you can't. And I think teachers in like elementary are like the worst for that, but it's something that I think is not a positive externally external motivator. I think it discourages learning. It puts a bad connotation around learning. So anytime that when you're, when you're, when you're a supervisor or a leader and you're, and you're actually helping motivate the learner, um, be positive as much as possible. So any of those external forces, whether to-do lists required recommended training or just, the encouragement and the incentivization to go to go engage, uh, make sure it's in a positive fashion. 
And we have a client that I think brings this to light fairly well when we talk about mixing a few of these motivating factors as well, which is important. Uh, they actually look at it and say, look, if you want to do an additional task in your job, uh, you have to do a certain amount of training to prove compliance or competence in that role. Um, and these are smaller tidbits of additional work you can do, um, but you become essentially certified to be able to be scheduled for those work elements or whatever. And it's a way to sort of say, look, this is what's required if you want to do that. Um, but it's not, you can grow in that fashion. So again, it, it leads a bit to back to that kind of first segment where it can be work related for promotion or advancement or additional work opportunities. Um, but it does require a to-do list to be able to accomplish that. And I think you're kind of mixing both. It's the external motivation of saying this is what you have to do, but there is sort of and a payoff at the end if you accomplish that goal. So uh, I think those are great ways to think about external motivation. Don't keep it as a punishment, um, but and give people that sense of accomplishment for, for giving them a to-do list they can check off. The last one we want to talk about today is the reality is sometimes learning is fun. Uh, and that can be a, a real motivating factor for people. Uh, we've talked a lot about gamification, learning games, and some of those elements that uh, enable people to learn. Um, and the reality is that will motivate people. If it is entertainment and education mixed together to give you a fun experience, that can be all the motivation it takes. Uh, the reality is uh, we want to differentiate a bit from entertainment itself and think of more edutainment, if you will. I don't know if that's a coined term, but uh, we're going to go with it today. And it is now. So one of the things that uh, I I don't know if this is a good analogy, but I'm going to bring it up because I, I did it in our kind of pre-show meeting, uh, was thinking about the difference between a sitcom and Shark Week. And I don't know, bear with me, I'm going to try to talk this out. Uh, but the reality is when we think about a sitcom, if you watch Friends or um, you know, I think sitcoms have probably become a little less uh, evident today. But if you watch The Office or something like that, you're watching that without really expecting to learn anything of real value. It's it's fictional, right? It is designed to give you entertainment. But we also will just as avidly tune into Shark Week uh, on uh, the Discovery Channel and say, I'm going to learn this thing about sharks today, uh, but I'm also going to be really entertained in doing so. Um, and the reality is, whether you have an interest or sharks or not, you're probably going to walk away with that knowing more about sharks or research or uh, the environment or the climate or all these things that come into play uh, because you watched it. So the two are very similar. They're television, there's something like that, but it allows you to gain information. And we can treat L&D, maybe not quite so focused on the entertainment side of it, but we can still portray knowledge in an interesting way without keeping it too dry. Make sure there's some fun elements in there. Yeah, I think... Scott, you really hit the nail on the head. I think that <laughs> Shark Week's a great example, but I also think there's there's so many different shows out there like that, that that people engage with. I even think as a kid, like things like uh, Popular Mechanics for Kids. I'm not sure if you have that in the U.S., but it's 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 a popular thing here. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Think about how much that like we used to engage with that in school. Um, those are all examples of of edutainment if that's the word we're going for but um in corporate learning we we hear the term edu games and those sorts of things all the time over different ways to engage people and and when we're developing learning we use things like metered activities which allow people to to have progress and kind of interact with, with you know a gamified environment to allow them to learn on the go and have some sort of incentive and, and excitement as they do it i think it's a huge it's a huge part of the success of learning and the building of a learning culture because 
at its core and at its foundation, learning is fun. Like I love the feeling of, I mean, we led with this episode with why we learn and both of our reasons were just to, to learn really to, to feel better about ourselves. And it is fun. And especially if it's something you're passionate about. So anyway, as, as a business or anything you can make learning fun is going to allow people to continue to want to learn um, the same way they do when they just sit, relax and, and watch shark week. Yeah. And look, we've all probably had a conversation with a leader that, uh, and I've had this before when we bring up like the idea of gamification and, and you know, just in, in past jobs and they're like, Oh, we don't pay them to have fun. And I get it. I understand that's not technically why they're paid, but on almost every one of those corporate calls or client calls, if you went and looked at their values as a company, it's have fun and be good at what you do and be part of the community. And like, the reality is you've built your culture of your company in general about having a good time and enjoying what you do for a living. Uh, that can carry over to the learning space. And again, it, it's not just games for game's sake. We're not, we're not playing Monopoly, although that might teach you about budgeting and financial strength and wealth and well-being but um and property management and a bunch of other stuff i'm sure but the reality is we're trying to convey something that makes you better at the job you do give you opportunities to practice your skill set and not have it be dry and just a quiz but give you an opportunity to actually do something that keeps you motivated and engaged and entertained all in the while actually building on your knowledge base building on your behaviors and and changing that work the way you do work um that message is important that it's not just about having fun. It's about having fun and gaining growth in your knowledge and, and learning journey. I think, I think fun is, is a big part of, of positivity and fun and in entertainment are also ways that you get through tough moments in life. Like, and I think that sometimes training can be boring or dry. We try to make it as, as you know, exciting as possible, but but sometimes there, you know, and, and your workday, your workday could be tough or any sort of task, you could be tough and the environment you're in could be difficult. And I think fun and positivity sometimes get you through those moments. You, you don't necessarily know when you need it, but when you're learning, like I, I even think about last night, I coached last night. And by the way, in case you guys are wondering, it's getting cold where we are. It's, it's, it's so, so last night it was below freezing, right? Some, some snow flurries are in the air. And I looked around at the players and, and one of our core values is positivity. And they were just like, the only thing that's going to get us through tonight and, and make us learn and continue to progress is, is being fun and, and being positive. And, and they, that's what exactly they were. They had way more energy than they typically do. They were joking around so much more, but they were still focused on the task. And I think, I think, although different, I think it's very similar to how sometimes getting through obstacles or difficult situations or difficult scenarios where fun and edu um, entertainment and just, that sort of environment can help you um, be successful. All right. We wrap up every show with a positivity point. We want to share a little joy, a little something that gives us some energy and excitement and, and bring that back to the audience. So hopefully that uh, you can go back and pay it forward and share that with someone else. So uh, for me, I am really looking forward to Thanksgiving coming up. I know in Canada, you guys celebrated about a, a month ago or so, uh, but American Thanksgiving is next week. And just the opportunity to take a couple of days. And uh, the reality is this year, we're not going to spend it directly with family. No one's coming into town. Um, and, but we still have uh, a plan for myself and my wife and the boys um, to spend a couple of days just uh, kind of decompressing, I think, and recharging our batteries. Um, so really looking forward to that. Uh, I think 
for for the kids they're ready to have a little break from school um, i think for us as as adults were looking for a little break from work would be nice just to to reset and recharge and and connect again so i'm really looking forward to that uh as we head into next week yes i'm actually looking forward to america american thanksgiving as well my entire team uh is is laughing at me but um Sabrina probably will laugh as well, but I told everybody that I'm actually going to shut off and uh, disconnect for a few days um, as well during that time. And they all laugh at me because I fail to do that pretty frequently, but I'm going to try really, really hard. Um, but that is not my my positivity point today. Um, I'm going to I'm going to loop back around uh, to Oakley. Um, she's she just growing up so fast. But one of the things um, she's obsessed right now with anytime music comes on of any kind. I mean. I'm talking about if I'm watching the football on Sunday and there is music in a commercial, she starts to like dance. Like she starts to vibe. It's pretty funny. Um, but also she's starting to understand what she's watching as well. So her favorite song right now is You're Welcome by Dwayne The Rock Johnson from Moana. So she hadn't seen Moana as a movie since I think Hillary watched it with her when she was like two weeks old. So I decided Hillary went out uh, for a night out by herself the other night. So I around 5 p.m. after the workday was over, I turned on Moana and she just sat there and cuddled in with me for the entirety of the movie, which is not something she does, and watched it. But every time a song came on, she like perked up and just started to like wiggle and dance and clap her hands. And it was just the cutest thing ever. And it was one of those um, daddy-daughter moments that I think like when she, when I'm, you know, it's her wedding day in however many years, I'm probably going to tell the story. It was, it was heartwarming and, and definitely a positive moment in my life. That's awesome. Uh, one of the, have you ever seen the video of uh, Dwayne Johnson and his daughter? Yes. Uh, with yes. that, it, oh I, I love that, that she makes him do the rap from it and, and she then, has no idea that it's him <laughs> in the movie doing it. And, and, and no matter how many times he tries to tell her it is, she won't believe him. Yeah, it's, I, it's amazing. Yeah. So if, if you need another little lighthearted moment, uh, search the internet. I'm sure you can find that. It's, it's a great deal that uh, she just hasn't put two and two together that her dad plays uh, Maui in the movie. So, By the way, I just want to emphasize, I mean, I've watched a lot of Disney movies lately, but like Moana is a fantastic movie. It's solid. Real solid. Uh, there's like I... Again, we've, we've discussed that I'm a large child on a regular basis. Um, and I... I really like a lot of what Pixar and Disney do, even as an adult. So I, I watched, I mean, now we're just on a tangent, but might as well end it with something fun. Have you seen um, like making a frozen two or anything like that on Disney plus? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like those watching the way they actually like think about those animated movies and how like the focus groups they go through to make sure like these aren't just kid movies. Like when they do their focus groups, they want to make sure that when parents go to the movies, they are entertained just as much as those children and it's crazy to see their mindset of like how to entertain such a large demographic i mean we're talking about on this podcast we talk about <laughs> targeting for who your audience is and they're able to hit such a large audience with one piece of content it's pretty crazy yeah it the thought that goes into it and the reality is it makes sense if a parent doesn't enjoy going to any of these movies they're never going to take their kids to theaters assuming we ever get to go back into a theater. But uh, the reality is, uh, yeah, you have to hit a really large, everything from young kids to grandparents. So um, Disney's a, a pretty remarkable company when you think about the way they think about some of that stuff. But. All right, that will do it for us today. I'm Scott Babcock. He's Daniel Mendonca, and we will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everybody.
Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Build It, Will They Learn podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join the conversation by emailing us at podcast at haylight.com. Find us on social media at Build It, Learn It, and be sure to check us out on the web at www.haylight.com. That's H-A-L-I-G-H-T dot com. Thank you.